We'll dismiss the boys and girls to Junior Church, Children's Church. You guys can make your way out if that is um, where you're going to go. Um, also to note, our piano player from our church is away, and your piano player is sick. And so uh, really everything was figured out last minute, and I think it went quite well. So thank you guys so much for adapting and being willing to, and we praise God for all of that. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up to um, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24 is where we're going to be um, this morning. We are going to look at a couple other passages too, but Joshua 24 will be the, the text that we're looking at. And uh, later on when I have you turn to some of the other passages, feel free to just listen or feel free to turn around, turn to them, but we will go quite quick in those other uh, passages. Let's again open up in the word of prayer, not because it's religious duty to, but because we want to rely on God. And, and when we pray, it is to rely on God, that we're not relying on ourselves, our preparation, our talent, our, our anything. We want to rely wholly on God, and so we need his power for that. So join with me in prayer if you would. Father, thank you again for the singing. Thank you for those that were able to jump in and juggle things around last minute. Thank you for the grace that you bestow, Father, that when we, we are weak, you are strong. Lord, I pray now for a special anointing and an unction from the Spirit of God, Lord, that that would filtrate into our hearts, that it would change us, that it would bring us back to a place where you worked in our lives and we were walking on top of mountains. And Father, thank you so much, Lord, your long-suffering to usward. Father, I pray for anyone here who is not sure of their salvation, that today would be the day of their salvation or their assurance. And for those Christians, Lord, who... Um, have some things that they need to be taken care of with you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'd work in their heart to do so. Thank you so much that you never give up on us, Lord. Even if in our heart or flesh we, we kind of walk away from you or we wander away, Lord, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us. And so give us that power that we need to understand the Word of God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, I think it was probably about 2010 uh, or 2011, I was preaching at a missions conference out in Illinois. And so we were, my family and I were driving out to Illinois, and it was just my wife, I think Trinity, Alethe, and Josiah. I don't think the other ones uh, were quite born yet uh, when we went. If I'm, if I'm calculating it correct, it was before Caleb. And so as we were going to Illinois, we left a few days earlier, and we decided that we were going to drive up into Wisconsin to stop at the college that Diane and I had attended back in, um, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And at about that time, it was about eight years since we had been back to the college to visit it. And so we, we were driving up there, we went through it, and we pulled up to that small Wisconsin town where it was, and I couldn't help but to be flooded with a million memories. And not just intellectual memories of the mind, but kind of emotional memories filled with things that I, I remember the silly things we did at college with our friends, and I remember the fun things we did. I remember the smells and the feels and the sights of the things that were there. But most of all, as I walked into the chapel and as I walked around the college campus, I was reminded of some of the major spiritual decisions that I had made while I was at college. I was, I was reminded of the way God worked, and I, re, I was reminded of a few messages that I heard preached, and, and I remember one spot up there, and I can think of it in my mind right now where I'd gone forward to deal with some things, and a, another professor came by and prayed with me, and I was reminded of all of those different things where, where God had worked, reminded of his power, could hear some of the songs that were sung in the chapels and in the services, 
and, and where God really started to formulate his plan for my life and how he did so many great things. And how sometimes those days seem so far away. Sometimes the great victories that we once had. Now though that was a reminder of my life. But I want you this morning to think of some of the great victories that God had wrought in your life. And I want you to think how far away they might sometimes seem. You might be in a place right now where you're thinking, the way God worked in my life seems so far from now. When I used to be here and I used to have that sweet fellowship and, and I was in, my, in the Word of God and God was dealing with me or I was serving in this ministry, and man, that seems far away. The time when the Lord spoke to you and you heard Him as if it were an audible voice. The, the time you felt like nothing could go wrong in my relationship with God. I'll never wander away. I'll never do, I'll never sin again. Do you remember those early times in Christianity where the zeal was so hot that you say, I'm never going to do wrong. I'm never, ever going to wander because my relationship with God is too tight. And here we are today, right? And sometimes just getting back to the place where God once did work can sometimes get things back into perspective. Getting back to the place where God wrought great victories can spark a rededication to the things that really matter, a rededication to serving God the way you once did. Now I want to ask you this question as a way of preparation to understand what we're going to be looking at today. Is there any area in your life where you need a rededication? Is there any area in your life where you need to get back to a place? Maybe, again, it's in your personal walk. Maybe it's in your service. Maybe it's in the excitement and the zeal. Maybe you feel, maybe it's COVID's fault, maybe it's your fault, maybe it's circumstances' fault, I don't know. But maybe you feel in this like humdrum type of feeling where you're just kind of dragging and you're going through the motions and you're not connecting with God or people the way you once did and you think to yourself, I need a rededication. I need something to come in like it once did. I need a personal revival. I need a personal uh, kind of sweeping of the Spirit inside of my life. The further you wander from God, the further into the far country, and I use the term in reference to as the prodigal son went off into the far country, the further you get away. And by the way, let me also say this. When Solomon wandered from God, he backslid from God, and Solomon went out with a thousand wives, and he went to find pleasure out under the sun without God really over him. When he tried to find satisfaction outside of God, I want to remind you, he's still the king of Israel, and as the king of Israel, he was still heading up all of the, a lot of the worship of Jewish temple worship as being king. And what I'm trying to get to you is that even if you're in church, it doesn't mean that your heart is not struggling with having wandered. Just because you're serving God doesn't mean your heart's in it. Now, I'm glad you're here even if your heart's not in it. And I'm glad that you do, might serve God even if you're struggling with that. And I'm not talking about hypocrisy where we pretend we're on fire for God, but inside we really despise it. I'm not talking about that place. I'm talking about you might be in a solitude place even in church. You might be in a backslidden mindset. You might need revival and rededication even if you're in church every single week because our heart and minds wander. The excitement, the emotions, they fail us. Uh, we, we just heard Psalm 103, we, but we are but dust. We, we're nothing, and, and often that happens. And I want to remind you that e, when I say you're in the far country, that doesn't mean you've been out of church for two years. 
That means you could just be out of it spiritually even if you're in church regularly. But the, fir- the longer you go wandering out, the harder it is to remember from whence you came. The harder it is to remember the sweet-tasting uh, nectar of the Lord, the sweet-smelling savor that was once enjoyed. The longer you are out there, the more forgetful you may grow. Until the day God grabs your attention, reminds you of who He is, and where you once were, and how to get back there again. Let me use this as kind of an analogy, but it's a direct application, but it's also an analogy. If you've, ever wander, if you've ever stayed out of church for some time, for whatever reason, the longer you stay out of church, the easier it is to stay out of church, and the harder it is to get back in the church. I was talking to a gentleman who wants to be back in church, but he hasn't been in church in a long time. Do you know what he said? He said something that everybody feels. I feel embarrassed to come back to church. Well, why do you feel embarrassed? Because I've been away so long. Yeah, I know, but so what? So why? You might feel that embarrassment. That embarrassment may come from the humility, but also what's going to come from the condemnation of Satan, where he says, no, 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 don't come back. Don't go back there. They're all going to look at you. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to point their fingers and ask you questions that you don't want to answer. And they're all, and, the, and he kind of jives you up there to make you think, I can't go back. It'll be a shame. And by the way, let me also implore you, church, that if someone does come back, it ought to be the way that the father treated the son, that there's a celebration. We're excited you're here. doesn't matter all that happened. We can talk about that later. We're glad you're back. And the church should always, one of my models and philosophies is, the church should always leave the outdoor light on. And I don't mean physically. I mean, the light's always on to come back home, kids. No matter where you've been, no matter how long you've gone. The analogy of that is that that sometimes can be the case, but who are we speaking to now? We're speaking to people who are in church. And I don't know what everyone's journey's been, but what I'm talking about is even if we're in here and we've wandered away and and maybe the Lord prompts us to get some things right and and maybe the Lord prompts us to get excited or personally revived and, and you might think, I can't do that because then it'll look like I've been faking it all this time. No, don't be ashamed ever taking a step closer to the Lord. Don't take, don't, don't be worried about what anyone's going to think about anything. You be as excited for God. You be as revived in God. You get as rededicated as he wants. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And so as I was on that college campus, though I, I wasn't away from God at the time, I walked around and I thought, oh, I forgot about that. I, rem- oh, I forgot about, oh, I forgot how good God was in that area. And I forgot what God had done and spoken to me about in that area. And I remember hearing that song for the first time, and it kind of riveting me. And I was brought back to those memories by the physical senses of where I was. We come to Joshua tra- chapter 24. Joshua and the children of Israel have already occupied the promised land. Last week we looked at Moses bringing them to the, to, through the wilderness journey and, and sending out the spies. And now we're fast-forwarding some years later, and Moses is already dead, and they've already occupied the promised land, and Joshua's about to die. 
And you know this, even though the children of Israel, and you know what happens after the book of Joshua? After the book of Joshua comes the book of Judges. And we know this in the book of Judges, there's going to be this cycle of the children of Israel serving God, getting away from God, God setting a, 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 an enemy to, to kind of rebuke them. And they will, they will cry out for the Lord to deliver them, and God will send a judge to deliver them. And there'll be this kind of a cycle. Then they'll get away from the Lord, and God will send a, 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 an enemy along, and all of that. And so what I'm saying is even though they're in the promised land, they still need to be reminded of who they once were and who God is. So this is what Joshua is going to remind them of. Look at Joshua 24, verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. I want you to take note of that word today, Shechem. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Now the nation of Israel made the promised land, occupied it like I just said, and of course, as you might already know, there were people living in the land, and the Lord wanted those Isra the Israelites to drive out the inhabitants of the land, and, and, and because it was God's. It was God for, to, from God to Israel. And part of the reason that God wanted them to push out the inhabitants was because the people inside the promised land worshipped false gods. And he knew this, unfortunately, he knew this, that if his children mingled with people who worshipped false gods, many of them would go out to serve false gods. Now you would hope that the children of Israel would never wander from their God because they know who he is, they know his power, they've tasted, they've seen all that he has done. They would never want some idol God who doesn't even exist. But God knew their hearts. God knew that they would wander. And he said, you've got to get rid of them. But as, uh, and, and he knew that sin nature would grab hold of them, the fleshly propensity would grab hold of false worship. They would leave the God they loved Again, the book of Judges. And so Joshua, their leader, brings them to this place called Shechem, and he called them to this place where God had miraculously worked before. Look at verse 14 now. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Now, from verses 3 through 13, which we did not read, God addresses Israel in all that he had done for them, how he brought out Abraham and Isaac and Jacob over, and how he delivered them out of Egypt through the wilderness wanderings and into the promised land. But still, even though God reached his hand into Egypt and reached his hand into the, where the nomadic tribes were going and brought them through the promised land and through the Red Sea, though he did all of that, the people still found a way to wander. Still, through the goodness of God, they found a way to sin. Ever find yourself there? Do you ever on one side look at yourself and say, how in the world am I doing this when I know that God is this? And your heart wanders and you do dumb things and you're like, but I, it's not that I forgot God. It's He's awesome. I know that. I want to serve him. I want to worship him. But then here's my flesh. And here's my temptations, and here's the things I'm thinking, here's the things I'm doing, here's the things I'm saying, here's the attitudes that I'm projecting. What in the world? Did you ever find yourself that way? That even though God has been so good to you, you find yourself wandering? Even though God saved you, 
you still find yourself, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't like these, this, these songs we sing at church. They're boring. Do you ever find yourself getting caught up in sin? Do you ever find yourself losing heart, losing hope? You feel far from where you used to be? There used to be a day where you were excited to go be in church and you were excited to, to serve God and you were listening to praise and worship music and you were listening um, to the things of God. Maybe you were listening to the Bible on, on CD or something when you had a CD player in your car or uh, whatever it was and, and, and there were times when your devotions were sweet and your family devotions were sweet and now you look at it and you go, man, am I in the desert or something? Why don't I feel that way anymore? Why am I struggling with that? Why can't I love God as much as I want to love God? Why do I feel so distant, but I don't want to be distant? Well, that's kind of where the Israelites were. It wasn't where God wanted them to, to, to be and stay, but it's where they wind up being. And it's where they wind up going. And he wanted them back to the place where they were serving God and loving him with their whole heart. And so Joshua calls on them to put away the false gods. From the other side of the Jordan River. He said all this time you saw God do this. And you still carry this propensity for the false gods. That were on the other side of the Jordan. The, the gods that, that Abraham's fathers worshipped. The, the gods that you might see around you in this promised land. It's time to put that away. But it is this place. That God has them that, that I think is significant. It's called the city of Shechem. Now, I want to read to you a few passages to build up the significance of Shechem for a second because Joshua calls them all together. He knows he's about to die. They're not all there. They're not all in on God. They're not serving him the way that they should be. They're in the promised land, but they're kind of still wavery. And so he calls, he says, everybody meet me here at Shechem. I'm going to give you one of my farewell addresses. I'm going to give you one of the last things. And here's why Shechem, if you will. I'm going to read you a couple different passages. If you want to turn, you can, but don't, don't feel obligated to. Genesis chapter 12. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee of a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And, thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed to, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, which unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land when god called out abraham out of his life of idol worship by the way when abraham gets saved he's a, and i'm using the word saved in reference to the the salvation and belief of the lord throughout all dispensations when god came uh, called out abraham and he got saved he it was out of a life of of idol worship he false he served false gods for 75 years and he called out abraham and abraham believed god and followed him and it was accounted unto him for righteousness so he follows God. He follows there, and God leads them to Sychem, which is Shechem. So it's this place is the very first place where God brought Abraham after he was saved to see the promised land. Genesis 33. The Bible says here 
in, in verse number 18. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. And when he came from Padaram and pitched his tent before the city, and he brought a parcel of field where he had spread his tent, and he had the, child, had the children of Hamar, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. And, and he erected an altar and called it Elo Eliah Israel. And so in this place is where Jacob had gotten rid of his family's idols. Shechem was the place where Jacob said, no more, the family cannot serve them, and he buried them there. Th this is the place where his grandfather had once camped, the place uh, where, where he brought, now let's turn over to Genesis 35. Genesis 35, verse 2. This is what I was in reference to. Then Jacob said unto the household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go to Bethel. And I will make thee an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the, in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all their strange gods which were in their hand, all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. So again, God brought uh, Jacob there and bought the land, and then this was the place where he camped out and got rid of all the family's idols. Now go back to Joshua chapter 24, verse 32. The Bible here says this, And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob brought out of the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. This was also the burial place of where Joseph was. I want to read to you one more passage, and then we'll go back to Joshua. John chapter 4, the woman at the well, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But John chapter 4, verse number 5. The Bible says here, Then came, cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat up on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. The where Jesus met the woman at the well, it was the place where they are now, Shechem. So what I want you to see is that this is the place that Abraham brought, I mean, God brought Abraham. It's the place where Jacob brought the land. It's the place where Jacob had a significant spiritual victory where he said, Put away the idols of my family. And it was later on that Jesus would meet the woman at the well at this very place. And so what I want to begin to communicate to you is that today and in the scriptures, Shechem is this place where God once did this work in your life. Where God once did the work in the Israelites' life in history with Abraham and Jacob and Joseph. And it was the place where God had called them out of their false worship, out of their wandering, out of their dry and thirsty worship, uh, or dry worship into a more fervent time, a time of revival. Shechem was a place of revival for them. Now we come to Joshua chapter 24. Look at verse 14. Joshua's there, the Israelites are there, we're at Shechem. He brings them there. Now therefore fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods of your father, that your father served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Now, I know that you know that passage. I know you know that verse, but this is in context. Joshua calls them there and says, Okay, guys, I brought you here for a reason. This is where Abraham got right with God in, that, in some ways. This is where Jacob's family got right. This is where the woman at the well got saved. This is a significant place where God did a work. And I want you to think about this. If it's evil to serve God, then don't. If the other gods you have been serving have been satisfied, uh, satisfying you, if they've been fulfilling you, if they are the truth, if they have been doing all that you wanted them to do, and they've been answering your prayers, and they've been having a relationship with you, and they provide a way to eternal life, then serve them. Serve them. Now realize they hadn't wandered from the physical presence of God. They've only wandered in their hearts. They hadn't left the country. They hadn't left the land of the Israelites. They were there, but their heart wandered. And like I said before, it's easy for our heart to wander. And I'll say the same thing that they say. If you're here today, it doesn't mean your heart's not wandered. And if you're here today, I want you to think about this and get serious about your walk with God. Don't worry about anybody else's. If it's evil to serve God, then don't. If God's not the truth, then don't serve him. If Jesus, when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man comes unto the Father but by me, if that's not true, then you must conclude that Jesus is the biggest liar that ever walked the face of the earth. And if you believe Jesus is the biggest liar, then why in the world would you be here? But I know that just because everybody showed up doesn't mean that they automatically receive that truth or receive it with fervency. But if it's evil to serve the Lord, then don't. Don't serve him. I wouldn't serve something that was evil. And Joshua's challenging him. If your flesh is good enough for you, if your sin's good enough for you, if, your si if all that you've been living is sin enough for you, if false gods are good enough for you, if your flesh is good enough, if sinful living is good enough for you, fine, then go do it. But if you're sick of it, if you're sick of what this world is doing, if you're sick of the way your heart wanders, if you're sick of your own sin, if you're sick of all of it and you're discouraged enough already and you realize how good God's been to you and you realize that He is the truth, then serve Him. Choose Him. And then Joshua, he, he, he beckons them. He says, guys, <clears throat> I'm not worried about your answer to this because you know as well as I do what the truth is. But I still see you serving other gods. I still see you walking in sin. I still see you wandering in your heart. So choose you this day whom you will serve. Beck, will you rededicate your life to God? Or will you continue in the, in the life of wandering, in the life of sin, in the life of what's going on? And, and, Mo, and Joshua here says to them, guys, pick, pick, pick. This, is a, this passage is a message that needs to be reconstituted in every church. Because there's plenty of people in every church that don't pick which side they're on. They show up, but who cares? Choose you this day whom you will serve. And there's Joshua to the Israelites. Guys, I'm not going to be here for very long. And, and you're going to be here on the, in the long run. And you're going to be occupying, running everything. But we can't have it if you're not dedicated to the Lord. So I'm calling you back to this place of Shechem. I'm calling this back to the place of rededication where, where God's done a work before. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Look at verse 16. 
And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up, uh, our fathers out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people though whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dealt, dwelt in the land. Therefore we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now, their answer is a bit confusing, by the way. They say, God forbid that we should serve false gods. God forbid we should turn from God. God's been far too good for us. He brought us here and protected us and drove out our enemies. We want to serve the Lord. Well, why do I say it's confusing? Well, sometimes, even when we're out in the far country, we know that we still want the Lord. We might not always live like it, but we still do want the Lord. They're, they're wandering still, but they still say, no, we want the Lord. Look at verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is holy God, he is a jealous God, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after he hath done you good. He says, you can't serve God, he's too holy, and he doesn't want to share you with false gods and with sin. He doesn't want to. He isn't going to forgive you if you're not repenting of it. So why do I say it's confusing? Because they want to serve God. They verbally declare they want to serve God. But where's their heart? Well, it's still wandered. Friend, I'm not foolish. I'm not naive to think. I am foolish. But I'm not uh, naive to think that if I asked everybody here, do you want to serve the Lord? If I said right now, if you want to serve God, stand up right now boldly and proclaim it, you'll want to serve. I believe the vast majority of people would get up because they want to serve God, mixed with the peer pressure of everybody else standing up, right? But th does that mean that you are actively serving God? No. Sometimes there's a difference of how we're actively living and what our desire is. Anytime I'm in sin or d do something dumb, I always think, I didn't want to do that. Why did I do that? I want to live the holiest life I can and the righteous life I can, but I don't all the time. So what I want and what I do don't always mean they're equal. And so Joshua's saying, yeah, you say that, but do you know you can't do both? Do you know that God is a jealous God and he wants your whole heart? Do you know that God doesn't want you wandering? Do you know that God doesn't want you mingling with these false gods at all? Verse 21. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. No, we're serious. We will. No, we really mean it. Verse 22. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, okay, if you really mean it, then let it be known, you're declaring it, you really mean it. Everybody, you're, you're all doing it. I don't want to hear no, no take backs later on. Verse 23. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua says, Okay, if you really mean it, good. Now put away those sins. Put away those false gods. Put away those things which had you wandering in the first place. And the people agreed. 
Now, obviously, Joshua was kind of provoking or testing their true heart when he said, you cannot serve the Lord. He is too holy. He is too jealous. Because Joshua had called on them to serve him. It wasn't like, serve God. No, I'm sorry, you can't. It wasn't that. It was serve God. And they're like, we want to serve God. And he's like, but do you really? Prove it. Prove it. Don't say it. Do it. And don't do it to be seen. Don't do it to be popular. Don't do it to be praised. Do it because He is God. And because He loves you. And He wants you to serve Him. Do it because of that. It was like He was saying, do you really serve God? Do you really want to serve God? Then let's put away those other things. So let me ask you. Don't answer. Answer in your heart. Answer to the Lord. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And if in your heart you're saying, I am choosing the Lord, okay, then what needs to go? Think about that for a, sen- for a second, friend. What needs to be, and this is not comfortable, I know. Preaching is not supposed to make you all feel peachy keen, not here to tickle your ears. What in your life might need to go if you're going to serve your heart, the Lord with your whole heart? What things are distracting? What things have pulled your heart? What things are sinful? What things have caused you to wander? What things have been an idol in your life? What things in your life are allowing you to not serve God as effectively or your heart to love God as purely? Put those away. Bury them. Rid yourself of them. Now, that in some ways may be taking a physical getting rid of, but in other things, it is just a perspective and a spiritual priority readjustment. It might be a rededication. Lord, I'm sorry that I've not been on fire the way I was, I want to, and I'm going to start diving into my relationship with you again. I want to feel your presence. I want to know your love. I want to go out in your power. I want to reach people. I want to be able to be all that you want me to be. I want to be a cleansed vessel in your hands. And it's a personal revival. It's a personal rededication. Put away all those other things. Put away those other distractions. Put away those other fleshly things. Put away those fears and discouragements. By the way, those things can make your heart wander too. Fear and discouragement. doesn't always have to be sinful things of the flesh. But worrying, fearful, discouragement, despondency... All of those are distractions for the Lord as well. And get back to serving God the way you were. Look at verse 24. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute of an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for I have heard all the words for the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart every man unto his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. So what Joshua does there is he says, okay, guys, if you're serious, I've called you back for this final word. Are you dedicated? 
Are you serving? Are you ready? Are you ready to get rid of those things and those distractions? You want it. You want that revival. Then commit to it. Then commit your walk to God. Put away those things. Get back on fire for God. Everybody's, yes, yes, we all want that. Okay, I'm making a stone. I'm putting it as a monument underneath this tree because this stone heard our, our testifying, heard our cries today, heard our commitments today. You remember that at this place of Shechem, the nation of Israel came together in solidarity in the promised land and said, when I said, choose you this day whom you will serve, everybody here said, we will serve the Lord and his voice we will obey. Let it be a witness in this place that this is where God worked and this is where God revived and this is where God recommitted our lives. And this is where it is. And then notice that not long after he died. See, Joshua had brought them back to a place where God had worked in the past to provoke them to live for the Lord in the present and the future. For some of you, Shechem, now Shechem is to get back to the place where God once did this work, a reminder. But for you, Shechem might be this very place. You might be able to look back to a time in your life where at New Village, in this very building, or maybe even the building up there on Middle Country Road, as some have told me stories, and you remember what it once was, and you remember where your heart was, and on fire for God that it was, and you say, this is a reminder of where I need to rededicate myself for God. For some, and I'm not talking just about a physical place, too. You might have had a, a spiritual awakening in the middle of Iowa somewhere in a cornfield. And maybe that's where you need to go, and I'm just kind of teasing. My point is, spiritually speaking, when was the last time you were on fire for God, when you were excited for God, when you were without distraction serving God? Can we call you back to get back to that place? And maybe you've been wandering for a while. Perhaps you've grown in faith, you have grown in faith and your, gro your growth in faith has been discouraged. Maybe you feel weak and feeble. Maybe you're forgetful of the, where the, what the Lord has done. And I might ask, where is your Shechem? Where could we bring you to remind you of all the good that God has done? Where would be the place that God would flood you with the memories of encouragement? And I would liken you to think about this today, to go back in your mind to a place. When was the last time you were on fire? What did that look like? What did that feel like? What was that like? Everybody's walk is different. Everybody's journey is unique. But where was that time in your life? And if you started to list it out, all the places where God did monumentous things. I can think back to a place at camp when I was a teenager. I just started going to church. I can think about to college. I can think about to my old church. I can think about New Hope Baptist Church uh, some years ago, a, a revival in my own heart. And think back to certain places where God did certain works and then i evaluate myself now and say okay god am i where i was or am i worse off am i as on fire as when you worked in my heart at those revivals or have i kind of coasted where's my shechem what can i be reminded of in my mind to be flooded with the goodness of god songs can be like that you can hear a song and it immediately brought you to a place where god worked in your life with that song a passage of scripture, a message might come in. 
And what sins have distracted you? What sins have entangled you? What could you put away? And so I call on you today to choose you this day whom you will serve. Will it be the gods of this world or will it be the God of heaven, uh, the God of Shechem? So my friend, this morning as we close, I want to bring you back to a place that reminds you of what once was, the victories that once were, that he might encourage you of the victories that are to come. That he might remind you that he still wants to use you, that he still wants to serve you, that he still wants you to get back to the place where you're the closest to him. If today is not the day that you were the closest to the Lord, then you'd have to logically admit that you're in somewhat of a backslidden state because it was a time where you once were closer to God. Why not today cry out to God and say, God, bring me back to that place? What would a church look like if everybody in it was sold out for God and was as close as to God as they've ever been. That would be a, a church on fire. That would be a church where the power of God would radiate. That would be a church that would not be thought of as a place of people, but a place of God. But what has to happen is in our individual lives, we have to say, okay, God, where am I? I can't worry about everybody else. I've got to be where am I? And if I need to be called back by Joshua to the place of Shechem, that we might be called on to rededicate. But I am here. Yeah, yeah, rededicate doesn't mean you've never been dedicated. It means let's rededicate it. Let's be on our face before the Lord. Let's get together and, and choose you this day whom you will serve. And it's not a flippant matter. Oh, yeah, we'll serve God. No, you can't. Not unless you're serious. Maybe for some of you today will be the very first place of Shechem. It'll be the very first place where God does a work in your life. Maybe today will be the day that someone here gets saved. Maybe today will be the day that someone in here finally surrenders their life in, in, in a more, more fervent way, a more, a more dedicated way. Meaning say, okay, today I'm going to take a a look and 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 get and by the spirit of god just rework things and today's going to be a big change in you maybe today will be the first thing but what i want to call you is what joshua called back to the place where it all started back into the church hall and say guys let's get back to the place where we're on fire for god aren't you sick of church like this aren't you sick of us individually walking around as if God is not the God of the universe who spoke it into existence? Let's call on the power of God, but let's be that, that, clo that uh, cleansed vessel, that chosen vessel to be used by him. So I say unto you, choose you this day whom you will serve. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. I want to ask a few questions, and I want you to consider them, I want you to think about them. And I don't want you to answer anything that you don't want to answer. And it's just going to be me, you, and the Lord. But if you're here today, and you would say this, Pastor Jason, I am not sure I'm on my way to heaven when I die. I want to talk to you a second before you answer that question. Do you know you're saved? Have you been born again? Those are synonymous terms. Jesus said this in John chapter 3, you must be born again. Jesus wants you to know. He died for you. He wants you to know whether or not you're going to heaven. 
but you might not know, and that is okay. Can I pray for you? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. But if you could be honest with me this morning, and you would say, Pastor Jason, would you please pray for me? I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Please pray for me. Would you quietly raise your hand? If you're not sure, you're on your way to heaven. I'm not going to make you come out. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. I just want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone like that today? I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Please pray for me. How many people here would say this? Pastor Jason, I feel that my heart kind of has wandered a little bit. And I'm testifying of that today before the Lord. I do feel that my heart has kind of wandered a little today. Would you pray for me about that? Would you quietly raise your hand now if you feel? Okay, I see your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand. Good. Many hands. Anybody else? I'm, I feel like my heart has kind of wandered. Would you please pray for me? I saw many, many hands. I see your hand. God bless you. Good. Anybody else? I see your hand back there. God bless you. Anybody else? Good. It happens. It can happen easily in church because we get so used to doing it that we don't have that real fervency about it. Let me ask one last question. Do not answer this as a way of you think it's the right answer. Do this if this is in your heart. If you're testifying today as a witness against yourself we will serve the lord and obey his voice and i am going to rededicate some things in my life today and that's my testimony would you raise your hand if that's your heart's desire today i'm going to dedicate my life i will obey the lord that is my testimony against myself today if you raise your hand you are testifying against yourself in the eyes of the lord i see many hands Whoever else wants to can, don't do it because anyone else is. This is if it's in your heart. Many hands. Anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody out. Anybody else? I see your hands. You may put them down. Anybody else? That's my testimony. I see your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? That's my testimony against myself that it's for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Let's stand together. Head bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. I'm going to give you a few moments. We don't have the piano player today. But I'll give you a few moments to think on the Lord. If you want to come forward and you want to use this as an old-fashioned altar, the front pews, the front steps, why don't you do that? I invite you to come out and rededicate some things to God. Don't worry about who else is not doing it, who else is doing it. That's not what it's about. It's about you testifying of yourself this is like the 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 um the the stone monument underneath a tree it'll remind you so as the music begins to play the flute if you would like to come and pray about some things or dedicate some things or choose some things come some have come you can come you won't be the only one i want to remind you of some things Preaching is aimed at you making a decision. Making a decision means choosing and, 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 and doing it. An invitation is a helpful time just to kind of set things in order, solidify some things, help along some things. Can you pray in your seat? You most certainly can. But this is a time of contemplation between you and God.
Is there a place you need to get back to in your life? Is there a place that you need to repent? Is there a place that you need to be revived back to? There's still some people praying, and so we will wait. You can come. You can pray in your seat. You can pray up front. Father, we thank you for giving us an opportunity today to be reminded of some things as Joshua reminded the children of Israel to come back to you and, Father, to kind of recommit themselves. And, uh, Father, some of their hearts had wandered. And we know, Lord, that they'll make a commitment and, and, and not too long after, a generation or two, they'll be into the judges' cycle of things. And, and, and they mean well sometimes and they wander and they come back and they wander and they come back and kind of is a picture of our lives sometimes. Father, I pray for each person that raised their hand that said that they're in a place of wandering. I pray that you would shine the light that they may, they may see it in the time of darkness. And you might bring them back to you. You may call them back, Lord, to a place of service, a place of usefulness, a place of, uh, of excitement in a relationship with you. And Father, for those that raised their hand as a testimony against themselves and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And yes, his voice we will serve. Lord, I pray that you would um, allow them to be encouraged that, that, that as as um, we draw nigh to you, you draw nigh to us. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to get excited about serving you, that we'd rededicate our lives, that we'd be empowered to be able to reach people, Lord, and to be on fire for you. And, Father, we don't want a dead church. We don't want a lackluster church. We don't want a church full of false worship. We don't want a church full of people who have wandered. We want to be on fire for you, Lord, so call us back to a place where we're together in unison worshiping you. Thank you for putting up with us even when we're not there. And Lord, I pray, Father, now that you would bless our time together as we depart. Bless the refreshments and the food that we can enjoy. And as we sing one last song together, Father, I pray that it be a reminder and that we would praise you in all of this. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song together, and um, upon that we will then...